going on, people? This is live after hours in the man cave with your host Terry Wiggs. There you go, host Mark Kane. Go, host Mark Kane. Last night, first of all, before I get to the NBA playoffs, I'm going to talk about Russell Wilson, four-year deal that he got with the Seahawks. And that deal is worth. $140 million with a $65 million guarantee signing bonus. He's going to be making $31 million per year. So, he deserved it. But, with a contract that big, who he's going to throw the ball to? I don't know. It seemed like they cleared out the deck. Just like, uh, give him that contract you know they uh mm-hmm. they got rid of most of the legion of boom mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was all so they can extend his offer you know to russell Wilson yesterday which he signed uh but like you said it, it doesn't leave any room for them to sign any receiving core <laughs> right he's uh, probably going to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks without uh, a true number one receiver. And the, and, the, and the one thing I do like about his contract, it's, it's well-deserved. I think his whole time in Seattle, I think he only missed like two games, man. You talk about durability for, for, for the best availability, which is always key. And I feel like he's one of the names that always get left out of the conversation as one of the top elite quarterbacks in the league. They never mention They always say the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, and the Ben Roethlisberger. But they always forget about Russell Wilson. Don't nobody want to go up to Seattle and, and play Russell Wilson up during that weather? Is it pretty much rain four to five days out of a seven day work week? So who want to play Seattle up there on a Monday night or Sunday afternoon about four o five? He's one of the best quarterbacks. He has the arm check. He can move check. He can read defense check. And that's what you want. And well, no, else I'm gonna leave off. He got the check, check. So <laughs> he got everything that you want in the quarterback. He's very articulate, and intelligent guy. So I thought Seattle won with that. But the whole key is they need some other pieces around him to, to make sure he stay fresh and healthy, like Subway. You know, eat fresh. But you right. want him to stay fresh too at the same time without there with other players. I mean, he really gonna have to. He's gonna have to really keep up that durability this season, uh, especially without having much offensive help. I mean, right. they, they make out some gems. I don't know, but he's gonna have to maintain that level of durability he had, you know, throughout his career in order for them to be somewhat successful. I mean, they were real close, uh, you know, making some noise this year, but you know, things didn't work out. Right. Will you, Will you say for Russell Wilson? More scrambling or less scrambling? I mean, if he gonna be scrambling a lot, <laughs> a lot just because that's my that's his game. But I think he should try to tone it down, uh, especially because who like are you? Like we just started this up. Who is he throwing? You know, he can be scrambling, uh, you know, for a long time out there in the backfield. But if he ain't got nobody to throw it to. It's going to be like a wasted effort and potentially risking him for injury. You're right. And the one so person I, I th- know what you about to say? I think they uh, they really need to rely on that they running back 
Mm. Mm. And the one person I'm going to compare Russell uh, Wilson to was this year's NFL draft quarterback, Kyler Murray. Type of similar game, but they're not the same build. You know what I'm saying? You know, Russell Wilson is a little bit thicker, maybe a little bit taller too as well. But if Kyler Murray could do what Russell Wilson do, I mean, you talk about a gym. You talk about this would make the GMs, whatever team drafted him, would make the GM and the head coach look smart because they always say the players play. But if the players playing up to their capabilities, it made the, it made it made the front office like, yeah, we did our job. We knew what we was getting when we got him. You don't know. Because when you dropped all these players in the league, they all exclamation marks. That's true. I mean, it, it's going to – whatever team Tyler Murray goes to, it, it really is going to depend on the, uh, the coaching staff. Because you know, I felt like uh, Seattle did the right thing with Pete Carroll and put in a system that fits Russell Wilson's game. So whatever team he goes to, they're going to have to you know, scrap whatever they've been doing down and rebuild it around Tyler Murray. Uh, or if there's a team starting, you know, from scratch, you know, they're going to have to build their team around his style of play. That's pretty true. That is definitely true, but congratulations on him. Sierra, I've seen the video this morning. She was so happy that he got the money to get the bag so she can go spend it. Um, (laughs) No pun pun intended, but um, best wishes to them. Hope we have a a nice injury-free season. Uh, man, man, let's get to these 76ers and these Brooklyn Nets. Watching the game one, I thought the first quarter was very intriguing because I wanted to see how Brooklyn was going to respond to them winning game one. And, and game two didn't go the Brooklyn Nets way. We knew game two was a must-win situation for the 76ers. And you're looking at where the 76ers scorched, scorched the Brooklyn Nets in the third quarter, 51-23. It's all about these teams in the playoffs when it comes to these, in these third quarters now. You know, a third quarter can make you or break you. And I say, if you start your first quarter off strong, nine times a ten, you want to start your third quarter off strong because the third quarter pretty much sets you up for the fourth quarter and dictates how you will finish the game going further. And, and I don't think, I don't even think Philly put their best foot forward well, I'm looking at Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy Butler played about 30, what, 31-some minutes, and he had seven points, seven assists, and four rebounds. But the people who actually did step up was, uh, I would definitely say, Tobias Harris. You know, the game one, he had four points. He followed that back up with 19 points and five boards. So I thought he did a great job. One thing you about Tobias Harris, you cannot let him get to the middle of the floor. And that's what he was doing, getting to the middle of the floor. It sets him up to hit outside shots because he's getting comfortable into the rhythm. And we realize these guys, since the trade, after the All-Star break, they only play like 10 or 12 games together in the starting rotation so they could build some type of morale with the team. And they still learn each other's spots on the floor. And, you know, as time goes by, they're going to get more, way more comfortable on the floor in the setting where they're supposed to be. Right, right, right. Yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, so I was watching uh, Ben Simmons and and B to see how they responded, you know, because they seemed a little bit perturbed or sensitive that they fans were doing them. So I was interested to see how they came out. And they, um, like I thought they would, they came out really, well, especially Ben Simmons, really aggressive. You know, he ain't got a jumper, so I felt like he had to attack the whole the whole game. 
just constantly attack the paint, which is what he did, and it turned into him getting a triple double. You know, even though his jumper is broke, I mean, his athleticism and uh, and just how big he is, he can get to the paint whenever he wants. So if he constantly attacked the paint like he did last night, they can probably take care of this game this series of six. You know, I think Brooklyn will get another game out of him, but I think they can take care of it six. But they really need to get it over sooner than later because Embiid is kind of banged up, and they want to get this over quickly so they can get him some games off. And I, I, I definitely agree with that too because I feel like Ben, ben Simmons – he, wow, he had a triple-double. This is a regular triple-double that he does all the time. This is nothing new. I want to see Ben Simmons get a triple-double. He had like 25 points, 10 assists, 15 rebounds. This is a regular triple-double from the regular season. He, he didn't impress me at all. Yeah, for the win, they got it because Joel Embiid did what he had to do. And like I said, he, and Joel Embiid looks overweight. Point blank, period. That he does. That he does. <laughs> He just looked a little sluggish. I mean, it was a couple uh, shots he had at the rim where he normally, you know, just got a quick second jump back to the ball. He let uh, some of the Brooklyn, smaller Brooklyn guards like Dan Woody and uh, Karis LeVert, you know, out-rebound re- down there. Um, I think in the third quarter he uh, he picked it up a little bit. But there was a couple of possessions where I felt like B should have cleaned it up, but he just looked a little slow and Lethargic. <laughs> right, because I'm looking at where like, and Ben Simmons just how he was going through the hole with layups, man. Just you can't shoot a jump shot, man. That's what I'm saying. And people saying he's he's good. Oh, he's one of the best players. Man, he. I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm critiquing this guy because I see he got the potential, but I think this guy reached his ceiling. Like he has to reach his ceiling because he's not giving me nothing. I mean, yeah, he had a triple double. But this dude can't hit a five-foot shot jumper outside of the um, three-second key. He like, where can you hit that at? You can't hit nothing. You throw up these wild layups. and hope they go in, man. The hook shot is ugly. Like, he, everybody always criticizes, like, certain players who can't shoot, like, a Rondo or LeBron James. Right? And the reason I brought these two guys up, we know they had the best jumper. But Rondo found other ways. If Rondo, if, if Rondo give you nine points, Rondo going to fall to nine points of, like, 11 rebounds. He's definitely gonna have you about eight, seventeen to thirteen assists, which is a which is big because his his is a different. But Ben Simmons is a six nine, six ten point guard. You tell me this dude can't even shoot a five foot jumper, but he can throw a five foot hook shot, and he can barely make that. And he's terrible from the free throw line. I told my wife last night, I never seen. I said when Ben Simmons get fired, I never seen him do hit two free throws in my life in a row, point blank period. Right, and you can tell he like he patterns his game kind of after LeBron. But LeBron, his jumper was okay. I mean, he can shoot. He can shoot a fifteen footer. He can shoot a ten. You know, his mid range game coming in was straight. He worked on the three point game later, but he wasn't like this. Like I think yesterday, I was impressed that he kept attacking the hole, knowing that he could get fouled and go to the free throw line. Because I felt like in game one, he just was avoiding the hole. Like he was avoiding shooting at any cost. I don't care if it was free throws. Wide open bunnies. He just wasn't attacking like he should. But this game, he at least was doing that. But you know, like like you said, he still wasn't comfortable shooting the shots that you know any normal point guard would be able to knock down. 
even a, a guy like Rondo, who is infamously known for not having the best jump shot. Yeah, exactly, because I was thinking the same thing, how it was playing and what they was doing. J.J. Reddit found his shot on the floor. They spread the floor more open for him. He was getting his easy looks. And, you know, Ben Simmons was setting the players up right to where they needed to be to score but to the Brooklyn Nets. I thought Joel Embiid should have been ejected because he knew that Jared Allen was right there when he hit him with the elbow. I'm looking like, yo, and he was bleeding. I, if it was me, I would have played like I got a concussion, like I was comatose. I would have been out. Because <laughs> if, if they would have sold it right, he would have been suspended. Because it, to me, that elbow looked blatantly, and he did it on purpose. And I knew the game was going to be a little bit cheap because Karkos did the same thing to Ben Simmons, but nobody see Ben Simmons pulling Karkos' hand, arm down, and he tried to get him off of him. And, and, and luckily, his head was had to be right there to get elbowed, and he was bleeding. So... This game, game three is going to be very chippy. Brooklyn Nets fans going to be on their feet. They're going to be ready. I thought I was looking for how Carol LeVert was going to back his 23-point game up. With, he come back with 13 points. Spencer did what he did. didn't do so bad at 19. D'Angelo Russell was 16. But the people who killed you will be your starters. And, you know, Demari Carroll was winning in Atlanta. For some reason, in the playoffs in game one. He played 19 minutes. He played 19 minutes with six points. Kirkos had 21 minutes with 8.5 rebounds, and Jerry Allen had 9 points and 6 boards in 23 minutes. And Joe Harris had 4 points in 26 minutes. You're not going to no, beat no team like that in the playoffs. And you got guys as our starters are playing 20 or more minutes, and they only can give you no more than 6 points. That's, you, you're not going to win like that. You, that's what happened. You score that many points in a quarter, I mean, in the, in the, in the entire game, you're going to get blown out. You're going to have a team like Philadelphia who's going to outscore you in the third quarter, 51-23. to 23. They have no answer. Like I said, it's still a young Brooklyn Nets team. Like we said the other day, they are a piece away, maybe like a one or two superstars away to get where they're going. But if they can find some way to deep down the side to win game three and four on their floor, back at home in Brooklyn, Philadelphia fans, you talking about booing? You talking, talking about putting another crack in that Liberty Bell? It's going to be over. Because they, they're going to need more than Rocky coming up running up the stairs up there in Philadelphia. So... <laughs> I'm gonna show you some brotherly love on that one. Oh man, yeah. If they go down two games in Brooklyn, they gonna come back to Philly and get their feelings hurt. I don't, I don't think AI showing up for the game. I don't think the Kimbe is showing up for the game. They gonna come back like, man, where's our OGs? Like, man, y'all let us down in Brooklyn though. So they gonna right. Can you really, really, really have to suck it up and get at least one game in Brooklyn, or it's gonna be all bad when they come back to Philly. And right, I don't hear no. If they do lose, I don't hear Joel and B come to the pole like, I, I play basketball. I, uh, I, I thought we could do it. Uh, the process is over. We just gotta play basketball. I don't want to hear nothing from Joel and B. I don't want to hear. We need to get buckets. We need to get better day in and day out because this you don't play around with teams like this because we go like. The last, what's the last time you seen a, a, a eight, a eight seed that beat the one was like I was like that, that Golden State Warriors team that beat the yeah, Utah the, Jazz. Did the, the, the We Believe team? Oh no, they, 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 they beat Dallas. Yeah, they beat Dallas. They beat Dallas. They had Stephen Jackson on that squad, Baron Davis, Beatrice, and you know Baron Davis had the, the famous dunk, the famous dunk in that game. Do you go back a little bit further than that with the Denver Nuggets? Beat beat that number one seed. I believe I think that was 
the Seattle Supersonics, I believe that's like the number one seed when they beat them or something like that. Then they beat one of the number one seeds, the, that seed right there. So you can't play around with teams who've never been there or who are hungry because they don't have the media chasing around to be good. So off with that, game three would be a doozy. Nine times in, teams that win game three win the series at least 88% of the time. So that number is very high. The game I can't wait to get to, the Golden State Warriors and the L.A. Clippers. Bam. You know what's so odd about this game was? Boogie got hurt early, Mark. He got hurt early in the in the first quarter. Quiet injury. He went down by himself. And I keep telling people, when you get injured by yourself, those are the most dangerous injuries. That means you're going to be up for some for quite some time. How do you feel about DeMarcus Cousins getting injured early in the first quarter? So I, I thought it was, um, you know, from the, like, watching it live, I thought, hey, he'd be all right. You know, he just got, like, maybe some, you know, some skin burns. He'd be cool. But then he grabbed that leg. So when he grabbed the leg, I'm like, oh, man, nobody really touched him. He just slipped. So I, I felt like this has potential to be a real bad injury. Them no-contact injuries, they're never a good sign. So he either tore his um, his side muscle right there, um, his quad, or he got a real bad strain and he's going to be out for the rest of this series. I don't see him coming back this series. You know, I would say that doesn't matter, <laughs> but seeing how this game ended up, that yeah, it may really well matter. <laughs> so what did you think, because I watched, I would say three quarters of this game. Ooh, you was in sleep. I mean, I went to I watched the first half, the first quarter, second quarter, so, and then like ten minutes of the third quarter, and I was like, no. "Oh, they destroying these guys." This lucky for you, and yeah, lucky for I ain't gonna even lie. I went to sleep, but I woke up at six o'clock this morning because I recorded the game. I sat there and watched the game, and I seen the things they was going through. The game was still chippy. Patrick Beverly. You know, I like, you know I mean? I'm a defender guy. I like to play defense. Like I said, one of my all-time favorite defenders is, is, would be uh, Tony Allen. Since Tony Allen's out of the league, man, I like Patrick Beverly. These guys are in your face. You know what's so funny? Why I like Patrick Beverly and Tony Allen. You know what's so funny about their story is? Both of these guys are from Chicago. Chicago guys play hard, grit defense. Even Derrick Rose, when, he, when, the, when the knees are healthy, the guys from Chicago play great basketball. You know, another city that gets slept off of basketball is in New York, is the makeup of basketball. I just feel like basketball is just a makeup for everybody who actually love the game. When you love the game, the game will love you back. And Patrick Beverly is, like I said, he's like a 6'2", 6'3", point guard, and he's getting Kevin Durant frustrated. And Kevin Durant, he shoot, it's like shooting for a chair with him. But Patrick Beverly bring that extra edge to the game. And, I, and like I said before, I said, look, Patrick Beverly probably telling the Michael, look, the odds are against us. The chips are against us. We're going to go out here. We're going to play Cripper brand of basketball. And I love what he brings. And like I said, losing Boogie Cousins will hurt the Golden State Warriors now because the Houston Rockets like, oh, man, if Boogie go down, we actually compare our game now because we can actually go smaller. That would make to put a Kevon Looney in the game who cannot guard, who cannot guard a Clint Capella if it get that far. And you talk about Andrew Bogan. Andrew Bogan is not the same Andrew Bogan when they first won their first ring. So you're talking about a whole different Andrew Bogan. He's slimmer. He looks nice. He's He looks real good, right. healthy-wise. But at the same part, he's not the same Andrew Bogut. So you, I know this the famous chant with Stephen A. Smith said, Andrew Bogus. But Andrew Bogus got a win. Uh-huh. But, um, That's true. Well, I felt like uh, 
Mr. Steph Curry, who we talked about yesterday, um, mm-hmm. I think he jinxed him. You know, with his tweet about oh, Tiger Woods having the greatest comeback, totally leaving out that the Cavs came back 3-1 against them. And mm. it's, it's just real ironic that the, the Clippers, speaking of 3-1, came back from a 31-point lead to beat them. <laughs> like, they've got to do that. That's so crazy because you stole the words right out of my mouth because I swear. I swear I about to say the same thing. I said, Steph Curry, for some reason, that deal didn't love three ones. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. They came there. The Clippers, the Clippers took care of business. I mean, you talk about one of the largest comebacks in playoff history. Listen to this. History. 31. As they, this is their last year in the Oracle. Like I said, you cannot spell Cleveland at the end without Oracle. Like I said, the Cavaliers own that building. Like, the funny thing about that story, when the Cavaliers won that championship and they built it, do you know the next day they brought a crew in to remove all the carpet and change the locker room on so it wouldn't be smelling like champagne? But they will always have that memory in that building they tear it down that the Cavaliers won a championship in that building last. So when you think about that, like I said, largest comeback, I thought Gallinari stepped up and played big, 24 points, 6 assists. Landry Salmon was 4 from 9 from the 3-point line, so all his points came from the 3. Uh, Lou Wheelville. Man, you talk, he, he's a Hall of Famer. Louisville is a Hall of Famer. He has to be a Hall of Famer. 36 points and 11 assists off the bench, man. Come on, man. Come That's on. That's bananas. Man, you talk he about, does Uh-huh. It's, it's six-man award. It's, it's, something is seriously wrong with the media and whoever votes for these awards because he, he should have that locked up. He should get some votes for MVP. Right. It's me. Right, cause he, hey, cause off the bench though, you talk about he's. I think he's their leading scorer on the on the team. Never heard of a bench player being the leading scorer on the team when you got starters. So that's real huge. Then you're looking at, like I said, Pat Bev. He, he's out there. He's gonna be Eric. He's gonna give you ten points. And he gave you five assists last night. But Montez Harrell gave you twenty five points and ten rebounds. These are bench guys. That's come off the bench, giving you twenty plus. That's very rare. That's very rare, especially in the playoff type of setting. So. I always liked his game. Every time Montrez comes to the game, when he comes to Charlotte, we link up. What's up, Montrez? You know, you know what I'm saying? Real nice people right there. Always, it's always love when I see him, man. You know, very, very kind dude. But, but the one thing, like I said, Draymond had 14. Uh, Steph Curry had 29-6. But Clay Thompson it has to be the guy who has to step up and fill the void for these guys. He can't be going MIA. You know what I'm saying? If, 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 if he would have scored 25 points, they would have won last night. Anytime they lose, he scores under – when they lose, they, he scores under 20. So people are going to take key note of that because I always tell people, I say, when they lose, he always average under what he's supposed to. And I definitely – like I said, what's going to come back and hunt them is that boogie injury. I keep telling people before, Steve Kerr is not a good coach. That's how I feel. Steve Kerr is not coaching them guys. I just feel like these guys just go out there and run whatever. I – I don't see Steve Kerr really on the sideline drawing up plays. If it is, it's, it's more of Mike Brown drawing up plays. Mike Brown bringing up the defensive strategy. Look at when they call timeouts. Look at Steve Kerr. Look <laughs> at Mike Brown. Just take note, people. Mike Brown draw, draw up a lot of offensive plays in defensive settings. I kid you not. I kid you not. Point blank, period. I live. Mike Brown. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Mike Brown. <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers, Mike Brown. Remember, LeBron James plays some of his best defensive ball with Mike Brown. And when he got to Miami, 
but his best defensive years was in Cleveland with Mike Brown. So just look at, because if you look at the way Kevin Durant plays in the defensive game, it's the same way how LeBron James played, would make him more of a defensive threat. They play the same type of defense, people. Trust and believe what I'm saying. I'm not telling you nothing wrong. I'm not lying. Just look at what's going on. All right. I mean, Steve Kerr has had, what, like two instances now where, you know, he left and then his assistant took over. So, you know, we had Luke Walton led him to, like, one of the best starts in NBA history. And then, um, was it last year or uh, the year that got KD? And um, mm-hmm. Mike Brown took over for a quick stand, and he did pretty well, too. So it's like, I actually do think Steve Kerr is a good coach, but it's like, how good of a coach? Is, is he just have a good staff? Like, he has an eye for a good coaching talent? No, or is just- it all him? I think it's just good because you have a good talent and staff. When you got good talent around, you always make everything look good. That's like you said, I'm making somebody today they're the best teacher in the world, right? But if you got the best students to make the teacher look good. So at the end of the day, he has the best playmakers around him to make him look that good. We see how things are going to shake up for him once the summer hits for free agency July 1st, whether Kevin stays or Kevin leaves. We're going to see how much he put into the game because I feel like it's going to be I feel like this is where you're going to get tested the most. If Clay or KD leaves, say both of them leave, how would the team look then with just with a, with a Steph Curry and Draymond Green? How would the team look then? How, how many games would they win? They right. win 45. It's true coaching uh, testimony right there. If he... If, Two of their guys leave, let's say it's uh, KD and Clay or KD and Draymond, and he just got the Splash Brothers left or he got uh, half of the Splash Brothers, and they go off to do good next season without two two stars, then you can really say, you know, he's one of the best coaches in the league. Right now I think uh, a lot of his success comes from his staff and his personnel, his players. Like like you said, the, the teach. The students are making the teacher look real, like a genius. Yeah, because I was saying because if they, like I said, what you said does make a lot of sense. Now, say they do leave Golden State Warriors, those two, how many games do they win? Because I say if they leave, they could, it's a, it's a that only depends on that stadium look. If that locker room look nice, you can always attract people to the to the West Coast. So, right, is people willing to play for the Warriors? I'm gonna say yes. So they got say they lose those two, you get boogie back. Are you are they are they still a lot for fifty plus win team? Because winning fifty games in the West is very hard to do. Uh, yeah, I think they can win fifty if they got uh, Steph, Boogie, and then either you know Draymond or Clay. I think they can win fifty games. Uh, I don't think they'll be a, a lot to go to the the finals. So I think right. they can win the game. That's an, that's an, I'm gonna say that's enough to get them back to the Western Conference Finals because that team still went to the NBA Finals with those three and beat the Cavaliers single handedly. Like whooped it, select the Cavaliers. Yeah, yes, the Cavaliers has injuries with Kevin Love and and uh, Kyrie Irving the first time going around, but but they did beat them. But I think this team would be a little bit more different. They get an older age. I feel like the. T- Everybody else is trying to catch up with the Warriors are doing. The Warriors actually got some good young pieces, but I still don't trust Quinn Cook. I still don't trust um, Kevon Looney. Like, Andre Iguodala, quite as kept. This may be his last year. Um, sure. Denise is catching up with him. 
Uh, Sean Livingston is the same way. He have a lot, he, people don't know he's been having back spasms lately, so they've been keeping out the media. I've been listening to their, their sports talk radio over there, but I just feel like it's going to be a different-looking Warriors team. Very different. Yeah, they're going to have to uh, rebuild, especially with their uh, supporting cast. Because, like you said, those two, Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala is the reasons they have multiple championships. Because in those exactly. – uh, Final series, those guys They came were, up big. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Iguodala won MV, finals MVP. I mean, Shai uh, Livingston was like perfect from the floor for four games <laughs> in the, uh, the finals before last. So it was like they play a major role in their success when it comes to championship time. Exactly. I feel like the same way as you feel, but that's going to be it this morning right now, folks. I'm Tay Wiggs. After hours live for the man cable. This is Mark Senior. And we out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to After Hours Live from the Man Cave Podcast. If you would like to hear more from me and my man Tay Wiggs, please go to your favorite podcast listener and subscribe to us. We are just about everywhere nowadays. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us to hear more. Oh, and before I go, please also hit up our Anchor profile page. That's anchor.fm forward slash after hours live from the man cave. And click that little purple button that says support this podcast and help us out. Peace.